Well, if you have your Bibles open to Psalm 119, there's just one verse that we're going to look at tonight. It's in verse 1, it's verse 136, actually two verses, verse 136, and I want us to read one other verse in 158. Verse 136 of Psalm 119 reads, My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. Look down at verse 158. I look at the faithless with disgust because they do not keep your commands. I was reading through Psalm 119 recently in my devotions, and I was particularly struck by verse 136 and then again in verse 138, and I'll share why in a moment. But just for some introduction, this week a church member sent me a message halfway through the week, I think it was, and said, Morning, dear brother, been thinking of you and just checking in how that inner man of yours is doing and what can I be praying for? And I responded and thanked him and shared, the inner man has had a major fight this week with the outer man. You ever been there? This week, my heart was broken over a couple of things. It was burdened for some other things. And unfortunately, it was just simply bothered by too many things. If I'm honest, not enough of my emotional distress this past week was because God was dishonored or because his word was disobeyed. I think most of my emotional distress was because I was disregarded. Because I didn't get my way. Because my kingdom didn't come. And while you're all looking at me like you're innocent, <laughs> the truth is, I think most of us, that's where we spend a lot of our time. And sadly, not much of our heartache is in line with the passionate cry of this psalmist who wrote, My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. Rather than being distressed like this noble psalmist over the glory of God, too much of our distress is self-centered. But I want to try to help us tonight to have broken hearts over the right things. I want to ask the question, what breaks your heart? In Psalm 119, we see the heart of someone who loves the Word of God because he loves the God of the Word. He loves God so much and he loves his Word so much that his heart, his heart sobs for God. And as long as we are looking at that kind of a metric, it will help us to understand how much we love God and how much we love his truth. The metric of our eyes being filled with tears over those things that truly matter. Now, we're not really sure who wrote Psalm 119. Some say it was David. Others suggest Ezra. I would lean towards Ezra. Ezra writes about the time the whole Old Testament canon is being put together. And Psalm 119 really sums up so much of the love for the Word of God. We read in the book of Ezra that this was a man who had set his heart 
to seek the law of the Lord, to know it and to do it and to teach those statutes in Israel. He was passionate about God's word. Ezra was so passionate about God and had such love for God that he was very distressed in Ezra chapter 9 when he receives the word that many of the people, including the priest, have intermarried pagans. He's greatly burdened about that, so much so that he pulls his hair out in grief. Nehemiah 13, Nehemiah is distressed and he pulls the hair out of others. But Ezra pulls his own hair out because he's so burdened about God's law not being honored. In Nehemiah chapter 8, we read where he passionately teaches the word of God. He expounds the scriptures for several hours every day for several weeks. Whoever wrote this longest chapter of the Bible, this chapter is filled with a passion for the word of God because it's a chapter filled with a passion for the God of the word. And please hear this. You can have a passion for the word of God and not have a passion for the God of the word. There's too much of that in churches. There's people who have their favorite expositors and they listen to their sermons all the time. And it's all about expositing the truth. But it doesn't affect their life. The psalmist, Psalm 119, he loved God's word because he loved the God of the word. He was passionate about that. This was a man who loved God and therefore he was in agony of soul over the irreverence as he saw people violating the word of God. He shed streams of tears. This was not the kind of man who manifested road rage when he encountered lawless taxi drivers. This was not a man who turned red in the face, unleashing a string of profanities when the, he hears about corruption in the government. No, this is a man who lost sleep over the fact that God's name was being treated with contempt. This was a man who lost his appetite due to moral disgust that God's wisdom was being rejected. This was a man who knew when to cry and what to cry over. This was a man who could be disgusted without being disgusting in either his attitude and his actions. It's interesting as you read this psalm and he cries out, My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law in 158. Strong words, I look at the faithless with disgust. The word means to loathe. God used it in Psalm 95 to speak of loathing his people who didn't trust him. Ezekiel used it over and over again to speak of lawless people. He says, I, I, he says, I look at the faces with disgust because they do not keep your commands. And yet in verse 162, I rejoice at your word. And as I read that and thought about this this week, I thought that's like Jesus. Jesus would be disgusted at covenant breakers. And yet immediately after that, after he cleanses the temple, you know what happens? He's sitting down and children come and sit on his lap. He was disgusted at covenant breaking, but he was a man who was disgusted about evil, but it didn't control him. His spirit, his actions responded well to that. This man was grieved for God's people. In Psalm 158, when he speaks about the faithless, the word faithless means a traitor. It means someone who is treacherous, and it's used over and over again by the prophets to speak of God's people. I don't think this was a general heart being broken over seeing a bunch of pagans not loving God and not loving his word. This was a great burden 
over God's people who are supposed to love God and his word, he were not doing that. This was a man who was broken because of covenantal unfaithfulness. He was grieved for God's people. This word faithless tells us that his grief wasn't so much for the outsiders as it was for the insiders. Here was a writer, here's the psalmist who loves God and appreciates God's grace. He knows the history of Israel. He knows how God has so graciously delivered them, how God graciously gave them a self-revelation as we read about in Exodus 33 and 34. That revelation was in his word. It's interesting when Moses says, listen, Lord, show me your glory. And in chapter 34 of Exodus, he says, I will proclaim my name before you. It's interesting how God revealed himself, not through a vision, but through what? His name, through his word. This man was grieved that God's people had experienced so much of God's grace and so much of God's mercy and so much of God's kindness He was grieved that now they're not keeping his law. That word keep is used in Genesis 2.15 where Adam is entrusted with the garden to steward it. He is to guard it. He is to keep it. The word keep is a covenantal word used by the priest to guard the tabernacle. I am persuaded that this man's burden here was not because he read News 24. It was because he read the church bulletin. This is a man who was concerned. His heart was broken, not because so much what's happening outside was happening within inside of the church. His heart was broken over the right things. When we consider the glory of God, when we consider the grace of God being trampled upon, upon those who profess to know God, and this should both break our hearts and, and sicken our stomachs. I was praying in my office earlier this morning. You know, I said this morning, when you come to church, you've had a fight with your wife, I always leave really early in the morning, so that never happens. And this morning I was praying, and I said to the Lord, my, my heart is just sick today as I think about some things that are happening within the professed church. And I mentioned in the class this morning, the gender class, about Andy Stanley and the, 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 the horrific count, uh, conference that he had recently, Endor- if not outright endorsing, certainly substantiating same-sex marriage, and confusing people with the gospel, and it makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, but what's happening within the profession of those who say they know God? But this psalmist, as we'll see at the table, wasn't just weeping over the heartache because of Others who were not doing right. I think he was weeping and shedding streams of tears because of his own failure to keep God's law. This was a man who wasn't looking around to take out splinters out of people's eyes when he had a telephone pole in his own eye. Psalm 179, 119, 176 verses. It's all about the word of God. And as he's writing about God's word and declaring the righteousness and the justice of God's word, the perfections of God's words. No doubt he realizes not only have others within the community of faith broken God's law, so has he. So this isn't a self-righteous shedding of tears. It's not a self-righteous disgust of others, of just others who have broken God's law. He's identifying with the community of God. His heart was broken. 
because God's covenant people were breaking covenant. As I meditated upon this, I thought about some things from my own life that I think would be helpful for you as well. I and we really do need to examine what breaks our heart and why it breaks our heart. Whatever breaks our heart really does reveal what's important to our hearts. Is it the glory of God or is it the glory of ourselves? I often think of these words that Jesus said to the Pharisees in John 5, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Why were the Pharisees so incensed against Jesus? Because he was exposing their sin. And they loved to have the glory. And now they're being exposed for what they are. Jesus wept because of what sin brought, not just to the Father's creation, but I believe Jesus wept because of the unbelief of God's people. In John 11, when he, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus left, leapt, leapt. Jesus wept. And by the way, having just messed that up, you ever think about this? You never see Jesus laughing. I'm sure there were times where Jesus had a good laugh. I'm sure that there were times, but, but the Bible doesn't record that. And the reason I think that for that is that Jesus is living in Israel. He's seeing God's covenant people. And though he's disturbed by the paganism of the Gentiles, He's more greatly disturbed about the paganism of the Jews. When he comes to Lazarus' tomb and he calls him forth, the Pharisees are there behind the scenes in unbelief, and no doubt that brought tears to Jesus' eyes. We read in Mark 8, he sighed deeply in his spirit on another occasion and said, why does this generation seek a sign? What generation? The generation of supposed covenant people. And he left them with a sigh. We didn't examine what breaks our heart and why does it break our heart. Are we disturbed by unfaithfulness in our own lives and the unfaithfulness of others who profess to know the Lord? I've told this story so many times, but it's coming a day I will not repeat the stories. Or I might because I forget that I had already told it. But it's a, it's a, it's a glorious story. There's a church in California where this homosexual radical group had attacked the church and put horrific graffiti on the church and they interviewed the pastor and said to him are you really angry about this and he said why would I be angry about this he said I wouldn't be more any more angry at a blind man stepping on my foot than this you get that what disturbs us those who profess faith in Christ not being covenant keepers not keeping covenant in their marriages I'm keeping covenant with one another in the church. We should ask God, secondly, to, to give us tears. Many, many years ago, we had a missions conference, a walk, um, and we had a speaker named Doug Ripley from Decatur, Alabama. I remember Doug and I were talking, and he said, you know, I used to cry all the time. He said, I was just a very emotional person. He said, and one day I asked the Lord, please dry up my tears and he said, the Lord did that. The Lord took away my tears. And he said, I found myself six months later saying, Lord, please give them back. There's certain things we need to cry about. Ask God for a heart that breaks. And what breaks his heart? 
Again, we'd be missing the point of this verse if we ignored its wider context. It's found in this long chapter extolling the authority and sufficiency and therefore the priority of Scripture. And as this writer, perhaps again it's Ezra, he's spending all this time learning the law of God. He's seeing the glory of God and that stirs his heart because he knows God and he's offended that God is being treated with irreverence. If we want to be a person after God's own heart, then we need to learn God's heart. There's no easy path to that. We must read, we must think, we must meditate and pray. I'm all for having a quiet time. The first thing I do every day is read God's word. We need to have our quiet time. Martin Lloyd-Jones used to hate that phrase. He said, there's nothing quiet about being with God. And I understand what he's saying, because if you're spending time in God's word, Pretty soon you realize that inner man starts to fight with your outer man and the quiet time becomes not very quiet at all. As we spend time in God's word, we begin to see things as he sees them. We begin to have his heart and our hearts are broken over what breaks his. And finally, and I've alluded to this, faithful Christians, faithful church members, you're going to have your heart broken. You're going to have your heart broken. Because those who are closest to you can grieve you the most. Church life can be disturbing. It can be discouraging and sometimes even disgusting at times. Horrible sins might be committed by those who profess to be God's people. So how do we deal with this? We humble ourselves acknowledging, as Ed said last week in some context, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. This weeping is not a self-righteous weeping, weeping, as I have said. But as we see that, we humble ourselves and realize, there but ought for the grace of God go I. And as our hearts are broken, then we come alongside and do all we can to help people to return to the path, to return to the path of covenantal faithfulness. Keep this in mind that it's easy for us to be disgusted and broken over somebody else's faithlessness. But we should be broken over our own faithlessness and our own faithlessness sometimes as a church. And it's painful. But there is redemption. It's interesting how he ends the psalm, and I'm going to tie this into the Lord's table in a few moments. He says in verse 176, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Here is this man who is weeping because of others who are doing wrong, but he ends this psalm saying, I'm also a lost sheep. Seek me. The shepherd seeks us. He seeks us in his word. He seeks us in the ordinance. He's seeking us tonight. Have we been unfaithful? Then there's a wonderful promise that I've been claiming all week. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for whoever wrote this psalm. We know it was given by you. Thank you for your word. And help us, Lord, to be lovers of the truth. Help us not to be sermon tasters. Help us not to be a preaching center. But help us to be a people of God who love the God of the word. And help us to have hearts that break over what it needs to break over. 
Lord, help us then, when our hearts are broken by our own sin, to repent, seek forgiveness, experience it, and then rejoice in these statutes. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.